And I started to think to myself, if I was going to use a space in order to share memories, then surely the idea of the description, it's not part of the art, it's only the description. So therefore it also becomes a memory, which I found quite wonderful in its own way because it played with the idea of what the art was. Because when you look at it, it's a circle. And the only way that you attach any language of it is scrolling away from the art and looking at the language mm -hmm. um, that's in the description. So it begs the question, where does the art end? That was done. Done, I would say, in my book is probably one of my, definitely in my top five up-and-coming artists. She's already really well-established, so I don't even know if I could call her up-and-coming at this point. But Dunn's work, for me, I like this idea of a very natural and worn look, almost like more trad art, more traditional art vibe to my NFT. So I think that's why I'm attracted or I was first attracted to the Fidenza series by Tyler Hobbs when he dropped that on Art Blocks because for me that felt for the first time it didn't feel digital. It felt like it was actually something that could have been painted. And when you look at Dunn's work, even though it is digital, it feels very natural, both worn and warm, a little bit wabi-sabi, beautiful stuff. And then couple that with just some of the experiments that she's doing with collaboration with others. So if you hold a piece of her artwork, you can collaborate with another holder of her artwork and she will develop something, a unique NFT for the two of you by combining your pieces of artwork. She's got some really crazy wild ideas. Loved having her on the show. Highly recommend that you go to the show notes and actually view a lot of these artworks that we're talking about because they're just beautiful. So with that, I know you're going to love her. This is done. Dan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Kevin. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into your work. Obviously, you know, I've been a fan for a while and have had a chance to check out all the stuff that you've been up to, but I would love to bring the rest of the audience along for the ride. And I guess a great place to start would probably be just to talk about your history and, and background in art. Where did this come from? Where did your, when did you begin? And can you walk us through your career as an artist? Well, uh, my career in the space that, that I currently work in started earlier this year when I joined Twitter with some art. But prior to that, I'll start um, earlier. I've spent many years as, a, as an artist who was trying to make art whilst doing various other jobs, such as administrative work. And I was previously a bookseller and worked many other jobs. And on my way home from those jobs, I would madly scribble things on buses and while waiting for buses home and and I would try and I would leave my work around different areas um, and leave little drawings and things. I would make drawings for friends. Some people would buy my my work. I would test different mediums. So I would sometimes work with sound and audiovisual projects and would work through various video hosting platforms. So it was kind of a, a chaotic history of different elements, really. M most of my work was local to my area. I would do 
art pieces. I would do photorealistic portraits and sometimes I would do paintings for people, just showing people locally my work. And some people would ask me to make little books for their children. And it was an unusual history of being asked to do little things. And yeah, it was a real mixture of different types of art. Um, When you say local, where are you based? I'm based in England, so in the southeast or the east of England. Um, and you mentioned and leaving your work around. What do you mean by leaving it around? Would you like draw something and leave it on a bus for other people yes, to enjoy? Yes, I would draw things on scraps of paper. I would draw things on napkins. I would leave them in parks. I would leave them in cafes, at train stations. I would just, I, I like the idea of left art. I like the idea hmm. of someone finding it and enjoying it. Sometimes I would write little notes and leave them as well, um, just with a few kind of unusual words. So you yeah. never joined like the the Banksy crew out there and did any graffiti at all, did you? Or was that? Oh, in my much much younger days, a little bit maybe. Yes, I went by the name. <laughs> I went by the the. Looking back, <laughs> I went by the as a teenager. At one point, I went by the name Anime Butterfly, and I have no idea why I chose that name. But yeah, I do have vague memories of doing that, although saying that, I'm aware that my parents are probably going to listen to this podcast. So <laughs> yes, no. But yeah, it, no I, matter how old we get, we always worry what our parents will think when they listen to the podcast. <laughs> like my well, mom's think, in her 80s now, and I'm like, if she listens to a podcast, I say a swear word or something, I'm always like, oh, mom's going to hear that. Yes, I think that my, my parents have a, an understanding that I'm quite an unusual sort of character. So they, they kind of understand that it's just me being me. But yes, I, I don't like to shock them too much. So I'm probably not going to be swearing all over your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what what brought you to the crazy world of NFTs? It sounds like in some ways you embraced tech pretty early on. I mean, you were using video platforms and other things. So you, would you consider yourself, are you more of a, a kind of real physical creator meaning are you sketching on notebooks and are you or do you work in photoshop or illustrator like what what tools do you use and and what brought you into more of the digital world my my storytelling art which is where i started actually earlier this year i was originally um, doing all sorts of i was doing stop motion animation storytelling this was in 2020 i was doing some I was doing some stop motion animation at that point and doing some audio because I was just trying to find ways of being online with art because everything had become so difficult at that point and I was finding it difficult to gather any work together really. I'd started experimenting with lots of different types of audio storytelling so not using words but using sounds to tell stories in the same fashion that you would um, hear old children's programs where they would have like sounds like kind of the the little sounds that say hello and things like that Mm -hmm. so I was experimenting with that and at the turning of into 2021 I then started to gain some knowledge of the space that I'm now in with all of you and uh, yeah, I think that I'd, I'd heard about it, but I didn't understand. It. I didn't understand it well enough. I, I followed it earlier on, but I didn't. I don't really feel that I understood it looking back. But I was deeply interested in it, and I felt like there was something vibrant and wonderful happening. But it was just about having the confidence to to enter into it with something that I had created. And I started using, I think it was Adobe Sketch, and I was using, I then also used Procreate. 
And yeah, I think those were the two that I used the most. And then I would also use Photoshop and things like that. So were you mostly iPad based for your digital creations or? Yes. Okay. And then uh, what was Photoshop used for? Was that just for finishing and things of that nature? Yeah, Photoshop I used for applying different layers. So there's a there was a layer that there's texturing that you can do with Photoshop. So there's a certain element of texture that, that I would use in Photoshop um, that would allow me to create things like the paper-like texture of some of my work. So Yeah, that's it, one it, of the things that I really love about your work is it has a, just this very natural... It's almost like the reason why I asked the question about digital versus physical is sometimes when I look at, let's just say the Collider series, I, I'm like, did is that something that she drew or something that was like assembled physically and then scanned in? Because it looks like worn. It looks like it has a very natural feel to it. But that's an entire digital creation. Is that correct? Yes. Some of the works I actually... I do layers. So I use Procreate to do layers of different colors that make it look like paper. So if you do enough layering and then um, bringing back the opacity on each layer, you can actually get this slight grain. So using a particular type of brush in Procreate, you can get enough layers together that will make it look like paper. And in some cases I, I did use a I used a photographic it was like a, a photograph that was then that was then used as a layer in Photoshop. So it's a it's like a fold. So on some of the works you can see a fold line and that's a, that's a layer. But some of them it is texturing using paint brushes in Procreate and in Adobe Sketch. That's so cool. That can you walk me through, what was the first NFT drop for you? The first was the Act One birds. And some people know about them and some people don't. The people that have been with me since earlier this year will know of the Act One birds. They were very funny, silly little birds that I would talk about as if they were, they had little lives. So that I would go on Twitter and, and I would say things about what they were doing each day. And so they would get into trouble and they would be sad and they would have adventures and they would get stuck in cupboards, I think. And where does I couldn't find your Act One birds on your do you not list them on your on the website on OK Done or no? If you use the OK Done website and you go to Fable Birds. Oh Fable Birds, um, okay. If you go to the Fable Birds and then you go down to the creator, OK Done, and then you scroll through back to the beginning of my work, you will then see the Act One birds, because they're right at the beginning. They're actually, they're not on, oh, I've just realized they're not on my, they're not on the website. They're not linked on the website. Yeah, I think that. Oh, I found them. Here they are. Yeah. You just sort by oldest under your profile yeah. on OpenSea. We can link that up. Yeah. So yeah, the act one birds were the, the storytelling birds. I forget that you, when you're in London, that's where X copies out there as well. Do, do you all ever do meetups out there of other artists or is that just not a thing that happens? No, I've, I've, I haven't met, um, I haven't met any of the artists in the space. I was fortunate enough to have some brief interaction on Twitter with X copy after having gifted him the honorary bird. And, uh, yeah, XCopy was very kind in giving some advice. Something that has been replicated actually. I've had I've had artists that I really do look up to have been ever so kind in the words that they've offered me as I've entered the space. So I'm ever so grateful to all of them. 
I feel like many artists, at least the ones that I've interacted with, they don't see it as like this competitive type thing. Like I was talking to someone, an artist that said, when you're in a traditional gallery, there's only so much wall space. And so there was always this competition, like who's going to get listed or shown in a traditional gallery. And it seemed to be a little bit more cutthroat in that way. And this is just the words of one artist. So obviously take it with a grain of salt. But in the NFT landscape, we have such a, it's such a, like a a big pie and it feels artists are more willing to just lean in and help out up and coming new artists. Has that been your experience as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think my earliest memories of being in the space of having some wonderful interactions with, particularly with the artist Autonomous Artifact and who has been a wonderful guide, as well as Pindar um, Van Armen, who has been also a wonderful source of inspiration and advice. And the giving nature of the space, I think, is one of the qualities that was much needed in terms of creativity, the giving nature. And what happens when creativity is unleashed in a space that is unending? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that when the when the art the art is is in a space that that doesn't have these kind of boundaries, it's it's it benefits the artists and the collectors and everyone in the space. Yeah, I feel like it's really early days for. A lot of the creativity that's being done with all the the crazier, even the crazier, more programmable side of of NFTs, I feel like it's going to be there's going to be like this collision of art and programming that produces some really novel and interesting things. It'll be exciting to watch unfold. When you launched the birds, how did it go? Was it kind of an instant hit? What was the reception, and how did you start to build a a kind of base of people that would eventually become more or less fans and collectors. I can still remember actually the the first, I I still actually don't know the identity of the first person that bought an Act One bird. It was called Folk Bird. It has the little red hat. It was actually not long after I had released them and I woke up in the morning and I I scrolled to my page and I noticed that instead of having the, the number that I'd put next to it, that it said last, which... I hadn't seen before, so I didn't know what it meant, but it meant that it had sold. Mm -hmm. And then I went to my wallet and, uh, yes, I cried, I think. I think I cried for quite a while. It sold for 0.6 ETH, I'm looking at right now, and this was nine months ago. Yeah. And I I think that it was very emotional. It took me a while to actually wrap my head around the fact. I think when when you spend years, as I said before, when you spend years scribbling, crouched down, waiting to go home or leaning up against a bus stop and you're just constantly scribbling down notes and things that you want to do. And then at the end of an exhausting day, you're, you're scribbling and doing doing art wherever you can. To have finally had something that that said, yes, I like your art and I'd like to have it. It was quite a, a moment for me. It was then followed by my... I think that the thing that brought the people closer to the birds originally was the storytelling. So I, I would tell little stories of them going into the garden and getting into trouble. And that was really the beginning of the storytelling element. So the things that you see when you see my writing that's attached in the descriptions, it started with a more playful Twitter posting. So it would be 
telling stories of them jumping around the garden and kicking each other and doing silly things. And I think that's where people started to become somewhat attached to them because it gave them lives and it, it gave them meaning. So, yeah, people were quite fond of them, I think, from that point on. And I think that's part of what moved people towards wanting to have one. That and was then, actually the first time where I, I believe it was your memory series, a hot memory where I saw your art and I was like, what is this? Because it looks so unique. I was like, this is so different than everything I've ever seen because it was grayed out a bit and unpolished in a way and that was attractive and curious, but had a very analog feel to it, but very familiar at the same time. And then I noticed that in your descriptions, you were really spending some time here to write out these stories. At first, I had never seen really someone use a description of an NFT in such length as a way to tell a little side story along with the NFT. Was this something where you always had kind of a story going along with the little pieces that you were creating in your mind? Or how did you come up with that concept? There was a bridging factor between done, which is the what I would refer to as the bird side, although it's not all birds. But people do refer to me on occasion. I have been referred to as the bird woman, which is wonderful. I've always loved that name. Um, <laughs> but between Act One and several other small things, there was something called the Fable Bird series. So the Fable Birds, there was 12 of them, and each one of them told a little story. And as I started doing the fable birds, I started to realize that I really enjoyed the storytelling element. I had a history of doing essays and things. They were never published anywhere, but due to my experience in book selling, I would endlessly read. And so I was full of information and I wanted to get it out. So I would write essays. So I was always fond of writing. And when I started to lean into doing things like the fable birds, it then made me realize that, oh, how could I use language in this space? How could I, my immediate thought was, how could I enter it into the art? But then I started to think to myself, if I was going to use a space in order to share memories, then surely the idea of the description, it's not part of the art, it's only the description. So therefore it also becomes a memory, which I found quite wonderful in its own way because it played with the idea of what the art was. Because when you look at it, it's a circle. And the only way that you attach any language of it is scrolling away from the art and looking at the language mm -hmm. um, that's in the description. So it begs the question, where does the art end? Yeah, that was, that, that was where the kind of playfulness started with the abstract description making. Yeah, so the... The, the first art memories, the 401 memories of objects. I wanted to create language and imagery that was, that was a kind of an ode to something loved or something lost. So that's why I started to play with the language in the way that I did. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> It is what was this? It seems like this has been a really successful series for you. The memory series was that the one that that really took off? Like, what would you say was the series that you've seen the kind of most explosive growth around and affinity towards? Is, is it is that probably your most popular series you'd say with your collectors? 
I'd say the alt is the collection with the most energy around it. I think that I was never, I don't think I ever did huge an- announcements. I was never very good at, at giving huge kind of earth shattering announcements. So I think that I was, when I did the Fable Birds, I think that that I wandered in with them, which is how I tend to introduce my work is by wandering in and saying, hello, here it is. So with the Fable Birds, I would explain that they were about to arrive. But I think the memories were the first time that that people, the energy really started to move around an idea. It wasn't, I don't think it was so much the individual works, although I'm grateful to everyone. I think it was also an energy behind what it might be. And so I quickly found people were telling me that they would go from one to another reading them Hmm. and they would just click from one to another reading and looking at the colours and yes, it was energy around what it might be. But I must say, and it's something that I did want to to say something about, in the early, there's actually, there's three people who I would say were deeply influential in moving in the way that it did. And that was Autonomous Artifact, Mattia, Katini, and Pindar. They embraced the work wholeheartedly. Autonomous embraced the work very early on. And Mattia was phenomenal support in that he was ever so energized in, in talking about them and, and sharing them. And Pindar, the same. So yes, I do owe a lot of the movement of and the excitement and the joy surrounding to those three individuals. It, some of them are, are so beautiful. And a few of them that have quote-unquote airs, mm-hmm. they're the ones that animate. Is that correct? Yes, the ones that move, they were part of Collection 404, which was the final part of the first series of Memories. And that, that was called Memories of You. And it was supposed to reconcile... It was actually the first it was actually the first step toward what is now Alt Collider. So it was entertaining the idea that the art is you. And so it was asking people to enter into what was going on in front of them. Which is part of the reason actually saying that's part of the reason why I use language in the way that I do and it seems very fragmented and it doesn't begin or end. So it's a story without a kind of solid beginning and ending. A lot of that comes down to my belief that if you do those types of things, if you play with language in that way, it allows people to enter into it. It allows people to become a part of it because they can find many different ways to fit it around them and they can wear it. Whereas saying something and saying something of a memory from beginning to end that was my own private experience would be so personal that it would be enjoyable and it might be of some, you know, kind of, it might be of some interest, but it it would not specifically allow a a visitor, a collector to wrap the language and the art around themselves so much. Mm. This is really cool. Yeah. I'm scrolling through all of them now. I see how you went, you started with the 401 series. Why that that numbering scheme? (laughs) It was actually, it started because I like the 404 error. The idea of the 404. Oh, and you era. knew all along you wanted to make it to 404. Yes. And I worked That's my way awesome. backwards. I couldn't start with 404. So I, I, I knew I wanted 404 to be. 
and I worked my way backwards and just started at 401 in order to get to 404. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I love the the Collider series, which is that the, the one right after 404 as you went directly to Collider from there? Is that correct? Yes. Collider is the current um, story. And that was, I, I took some time, I took a little bit of time after 404 to gather my thoughts. I work at quite a, a rate. I think I probably haven't stopped since March because I am of a mind that if I've got things inside, I, I want to get them out. I want to, even if it makes me tired, I think it's part of the joy of things having been quite hectic over the years and having had to really push to have this energy, this wonderful feeling of wanting and thri thriving in, in your own thoughts. It begs you to, to work and work. Which might not be the healthiest thing in the world, but yeah, it was pretty soon after 404, I had it in my mind what Collider might be. Colliders are just absolutely gorgeous. Like these are really beautiful. And, and these were 100% created digitally as well? Yes. Yeah. They're all created digitally. The only exception actually is the series of the Memories of Sunday Morning. So back in the original alt. Um, 401 to 404, you will see the memories of Sunday morning. They look like they're like these almost like stains and they have little mm -hmm. black dots around them. Those are actually real tea and coffee stains. So that's the exception. When you went to Collider and then you did the then at the very end of it, if you look at the last pieces, they look like almost like well, explain us the, the departure from the kind of um, gray and these beautiful worn spheres to moving towards the then collection or addition to the Collider series. What is that exactly? Okay, so I, I'll start at the beginning. So Collider, what you're seeing then is actually part two of eight parts. So there's another six parts to come still. So the first, the first part was called By Morning I. And the second part is called Then. So I, I will start at the beginning. Collider is, yes, it's a story in eight parts. And it tells the story of, it tells the story of a fictional person trying to remember an important thing throughout the course of an imagined day. So it's split into eight parts that go on throughout that imagined day. So it's the different ways in which someone might try and remember. And so, the first part starts in the morning, someone waking up, and then the second part then is moving a little further into the morning. And actually, if you read the language, the title, if you read the title and then go into the description, it finishes the sentence. So they wind hmm. in and out along the way. So when you finish the description of part one, if you go to part two, which is then, you can carry on reading and that will happen oh, that's so cool. all the way along. And then along the way, I wanted to, it was my main aim with the Collider project to involve the collectors. It was something that I learned from the joy of watching people during the 401 to 404 collections. People were really involved in telling their own memories and, and explaining their own memories as it associated to the memories that they'd seen. And so I felt like it would be best for me to honour their participation by creating a story that would allow them to totally 
involve themselves and to play with each other, to allow them to congregate and start to share what they had collected. And so the purpose of the Collider story or of the parts of the Collider story is that people can purchase them and then they use them with each other in order to create further artwork. So they get together and they say, we're each going to use this piece of art that we've purchased from your Collider series. And then I make them each a new piece of work from the two that they've said that they would like to use. <laughs> oh, interesting. So they, you, if you collect two of the NFTs, you would allow that to be put together as a way to sanction a unique one-on-one from you? Is that yes. right? Or how did, okay. Yes. They, that each person between parts one and seven of the story, you can purchase one of the, the memories from parts one to seven, and you can get together with another person who has purchased a memory from part one to seven, and you each bring your piece of art that you've purchased and you agree together, yes, we would like to collaborate with each other. And then I will create for each person, I will create a piece of art or one of one that combines the two that you have bought. So you may see that on the Twitter page right now. There's a few of them on the Twitter page actually showing what happens when people collaborate. Oh, so, very cool. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, it's a way to to celebrate and encourage everyone to really enjoy enjoy the strangeness of maybe communicating with someone that you don't know or interacting with people. A lot of this goes on in Discord. I'm very new to Discord, but but I've been trying it out and a lot of the the interactions are happening on the Discord at the moment. And there's different places within the old Discord that allow people to collaborate and then they get together and they announce to me that they would like to work together and then I take their works and I create new work for them. Very cool. And how do you know if they have as a collector, let's say I'm going to go I'm listening to this and I, I think I want to do this. It sounds awesome, which actually I'm, I'm saying it because I do want to do it. <laughs> it <sounds awesome. laughs> but uh, how would it, if I were to go on the open market and open sea and buy one of these, how do I know if it's been used or not in one of your other previous collaborations? Because if it's, I'm assuming you don't allow them to be reused or how does that work? Yes. Yeah, so within the discord, there is, and it's actually, there's something pinned to the top and I'm I actually, I'm going to be making it more firm. I'm going to have some language at the top of the Twitter page that implores people to listen first. And in the Discord, there is a channel called The List, which shows all of the used memories in red. So it has a list mm. showing which ones have been used. Oh, that's um, great. And so at the moment, it's been a bit of a free-flowing situation only because it's been quite a small gathering so far. So I'm learning as I go of how to operate it and how to make it work. And hopefully there won't be too many hiccups. How do people find your Discord if they want to connect? There is a link. I'm, I, I, every now and then I, I retweet or I share the link once again. And I've had some requests to share it. So I've shared it with people that have asked for it. But, I, but it is something that 
I, I would share on Twitter. Interesting. So do you guard that in a sense and that you don't, because like it's be really easy for you just to put on your website. Are you trying to slowly let people in? I think because the avenue by which people came seems to be Twitter, I was applying it to the avenue that I feel most people were coming from. And I, I hadn't really used my website more recently to actually show the newer works. I, I just recently added Collider to the page. So yes, it was just it was just by virtue of Twitter being the place that everybody seemed to be congregating in. Yeah. So it was just it seemed like the option at the time. Yeah, I just want to make sure you weren't trying to guard it in case I link to it in the show notes and then all of a sudden we have a bunch of oh, it's okay. random people showing up. It's okay. I'm trying to my best as I'm sure you can tell by my describing of it it's moving along with me as i go along and it's it's a lot of a lot of the enjoyment that i'm finding with this project is that it's growing based on people arriving so it's not only growing in terms of the number of collectors but it's the story is informed by people arriving and talking to each other so each of the conversations will echo in the story itself who is heg and will Heg ever make it into an NFT? Who is Heg? Small Hedgehog. Heg. How did you find Heg? Heg is on your on your Twitter page, yes. like many tweets down. I was just wondering if Heg would ever make an appearance as an NFT. Well, Heg. Oh, that's really sweet. Heg is a character that I made for my partner to make him smile while he was working. And it was just something that I shared. He does various things and I send Heg to my partner just to, just wearing, I think he was wearing boots in one and in another one he had a paper bag on his head. So Heg yes. is kind of amazing. I saw, I saw a tweet <laughs> that you sent it out. I was like, this has to be an NFT. For, for people that are listening, obviously the audio only, um, little tiny cute scribbled hedgehog that is definitely deserves a place in the limelight somewhere at some point oh yeah my partner will be very happy to know that he absolutely adores heg it's part of his happy happiness in his work day <laughs> that is awesome so after is, is that is collider the most recent or because you have other places like makerspace and foundation and you, it seems that you've dabbled on all these different platforms mm -hmm. What does it look like for you? I mean, you still have yet to finish the Collider series. Do you still work on one of ones that you post eventually on on Foundation, or is that kind of something of the past? Like, how do you think of the, all these platforms and the interplay between them? I guess I've dabbled on several of the platforms. I, I must admit that by far the one that I have really been enjoying, and I think it's because it motivates me to think, is async mm. has been something that has challenged me because it asks you to create something that that's moving or something that that changes most recently i created a 24 hour portrait on async that was a, the face of a person but it was made up of different things instead of it being a face it was various things within the shape of the same face so there was it was like one of them was a cup of tea um, and the then the heat, the steam from the cup of tea was made to look like the face shape and, and it changed once every hour for 24 hours. And that, that was a, a really good challenge for me in terms of what art could be and what a piece of art could be, which is something that I'm really interested in, what art might be and 
yeah, I think async is is by far the one that that I've enjoyed thinking about the most. I may not have produced a huge amount of work on it yet, but it helps me to think that there's incredible possibilities. I've seen a handful of different works on async and typically it's done with multiple layers and then people can collect various layers and make their own, change them to their own, whatever they desire. And then it would fold back into the original work of art. How did you pull off what what you did there in, in changing over 24 hours? Is that something they also allow you to do that's programmable within the async interface? Yes, it is. Yeah, that's a newer one that they introduced was 24 hours. You can create 24 different art pieces. That, and um, will that change continue to change as the uh, on the hour? Yes. Okay, so if someone is collecting this NFT, it, uh, hopefully in future displays that support this, you would just be able to see something that on the hour just it makes a slight modification or change. Yes. So that, it, That's very it, cool. And then previously on Async, I did something that was it's rather strange. It was based on it was based on a historical understanding of how people in villages um, in England wouldn't see birds, but they would only hear them. And so it was based on what people might think a bird would look like at dawn, dusk, in the day, and in the nighttime. And so I did. That was four stages. So that was dawn, dusk, day, and night. And that is another template that's available on async. Very cool. Love it. So what's yeah, what's next for you? What do you see? Is it just continuing to add to the existing collection until you, you finish off the Collider series? Is that that what's on the your, your current plate? Well, Collider is taking up my I'm I'm happy that Collider is my is my baby at the moment. It's something that's thoroughly enjoyable because it, it's asking me constantly what the art is as I create and as I go along. So for now, it's going to be Collider until the final part, which is part eight, which is the ending is rather more complex because it will be a single piece of work. And the person that, that, that purchases part eight of the Collider will decide whether this imagined figure forgets or remembers and they will be responsible on behalf of everyone to either forget or remember at the end of the day. So you mean in terms of finalizing the last piece? Yes. Yeah, so the last piece, the last piece, part eight, it will be a one of one again, and it will be an auctioned piece. But the person that, that wins it will then decide on behalf of the Collider community whether this imagined figure remembers what they wanted to remember or forgets totally. And based oh, on I their decision, it. based on the decision of that individual, a piece of art will be created that will be the final piece of the Collider story, which will be a representation of everything throughout the journey. So all of the collaborations, which are referred to as like interferences or distractions for this imagined figure, they will all be either by terms of language or color or through through the representation in the last piece of art, they will be represented in some way or another. So it will be everyone and including the person, obviously, that makes the decision. 
I love it. What a, what a fun idea. <laughs> I hope that it will be fun. I feel like every time I try to explain it, people go, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> because it, it sounds quite strange when I say it out loud. It sounds more and more strange every time I say it. Yeah, I, th- I think it's cool because it, you're in essence, you're saying like you're bringing people along for the ride and the story. When I look at the art, it, it could stand alone on its own. It's beautiful. Like any mm-hmm. anyone would be proud to have something like this up on display. But then when you couple it with kind of the story and, and how that weaving and changing over the collection as it unfolds, and then the little bow that you put on the end with the final one of one up to the last person, which is like a pretty heavy decision for someone that's, there's a, you have a fan base that's been following the whole stretch of the story. And then for one person to decide, it's pretty, pretty hardcore, but it versus like a community vote or something, but it's still, it's like, awesome. What a fun little experiment to see which way they go. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm a big fan of people that there's so many different ways that people are creating NFTs these days. And I, I love when people are pushing in new directions into things that just haven't been tried before and fun little social experiments to see how people collaborate or how they do group storytelling, or even how some of these projects are being built out into metaverses and other directions and how roadmaps are being defined for certain projects by community. It's just, it's a time of experimentation, I feel. Yes. I feel like Collider, the purpose for giving the final decision to someone at the end, I felt like it was a really good moment for a person to look back on the entire collection and to really think about the interactions that they might have had or what they might have seen. And it's not it's not impressed upon anyone that, that, that people want a certain thing. Everybody has to make their own decisions in the end. And I like to think that whatever decision is made at the end will be what the art is supposed to be. Because I feel like whatever art comes out of it, that will be what it was supposed to be. Whether it's happy, a happy moment or or not such a happy moment. One of the things I have tried to tell also on occasion I've tried to speak about is that in the Collider story with the imagined person trying to remember, it's not actually clear whether the memory is a good one or not. So there may be elements within the story as part part three comes out, part four, there could be a slight understanding that what they're trying to remember actually might be something that that might be kind to help them forget. Hmm. So it really does depend on what people think and what they want to put into what the Collider story is. Hmm. That this imagined figure, one of the things that 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 will be noticeable in through the art is that throughout this imagined day, this fictional person does get frustrated and tired in trying to get on with the day, being distracted by different things. But it, it's never really it's never really made a hundred percent clear what they're trying to remember is a good thing or not such a good thing. It might be a memory that it might be kind for the final person to allow them to forget. And also the overarching feeling within the Collider story is that it's it's an attempt to illustrate um, and articulate to, to, to everyone, to the collectors, to everyone, what it's like to think. So I'm trying, instead of showing a memory of a duck being a duck, showing what it's like to think about the memory. 
So the colours and the the movement and things that you see in in alt as a whole, it represents thinking about something. It doesn't represent the thing itself. So it represents the thinking about the object or the day. So that, in in a sense, these feelings and these thoughts and people's emotions being wrapped around as they enter Collider and as they buy they buy the the works and they collaborate with each other within the story, wrapping feelings and kindness and and such around the story, kind of really exposes what the Collider actually is, which is not a memory of a specific thing, but it's the act of remembering. Have people put together, are they trying to piece this all together in one place or are they just, when they want to read from top to bottom, when it comes to Collider, are they going through and clicking through manually to each individual? I think that, I know that there are some alt followers that go from memory to memory and read all of them. I think that I'm allowing the freedom of these different parts of Collider because it, I'm putting out the kind of abstract language in each part for each work. And then I feel like as people make connections, which has actually happened, if I'm, I, after I've spoken to you, actually, I'm going to go and re- retweet the Discord again. But through the Discord, you can actually see people are discussing not only the shape itself, but they're also saying something about the words. So they're already identifying what the project is. And I'm allowing it to sculpt itself around the people that are entering because it it totally allows them to be a part of the art as it mm. goes forward. I feel like if I was to impress certain things on everyone, that it would stop them from thinking what they wanted to think about the art and about the words. So I'm being informed by them, which was a big part of why I, I started the project, was to see what it was like when you brought collectors together and artists who are collectors, bringing everyone together and saying, work together, talk to each other and put what you've brought together and see what happens and see when you connect with another person and when you go up to them and ask them if they'd like to join you. Beautiful art. Is created and you did that. You connecting with another person, you created this new piece of art. I only did it because you asked me to. It's awesome. It's it was such a fun project. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that people should be aware of in terms of either your background or projects you're working on or other projects that you've done in the past they should be checking out? Obviously, we can point them to okdone.com and at doneartist is your Twitter address, but anything else? It's a, I don't have a, a solid link to, to share with anyone, but if you go to my Done Artist Twitter page, you might notice that the banner says Mass 1362. And I I've did, had a couple of no link to it. No, there isn't. <laughs> it's what's coming after the Collider. And it's something that I've been working on in the background. So I don't really have a great I've I don't have such a description right now because I wanted to I wanted to have some kind of entry. I want people to enjoy it and be amazed or shocked or whatever they would like. But the next thing to look out for when Collider is finished is Mass 1362. Any 
date you can give us or approximate date? It depends really on how we move with Collider because I am giving people time to connect with the pieces. I'm trying not to make a big push to get people to buy each pieces. You know, I'm, I'm trying to allow people to, to digest what's coming through and I, and I don't want to rush the process of bringing out Collider. And also, obviously, everyone that joins the Collider work by buying a piece of the Collider work, which I think there's 101 pieces altogether, I will be making a piece of art for each and every one of those people. So there's, there's still quite a lot to do with Collider. So as I go along, I will probably be able to give a better date in a couple of weeks, I would think, as far as mass it's it, mass thirteen sixty two is another. It's another done experiment of what can we do here. I what, love it. Yeah, what fun can we have, and how can I make people feel? What can I do for you? You know what? That's what I'm trying to move towards. It's exciting though. That's that's awesome. I'll be staying tuned on your and following your Twitter to to make sure I get notified when that drop happens. But that sounds awesome. Before we wrap, one thing I, I do ask all of my guests and is just other artists that you enjoy. Are there any? Is there anyone in the last few months that has caught your attention, or are there any other artists that you look to and say, "Wow, they just they're just crushing it right now. They're doing amazing work." Well, um, I'd thought about this. There, there are. I have. There's a range of of people that I adore, and that I have mentioned. Obviously, uh, within the talk that you and I have had, I have mentioned obviously Mattia Pindar and Autonomous, who I am just incredibly huge fan of all of their works. But I'd say, in terms of an artist that I'm most excited about, it would be Keiko Kitahara, who is. Uh, I'd say actually Keiko Kitahara and Haru Komoda, who are a collective called Hakaroshi, and they create stunning works of art. And I've known them throughout. What's the collective my called? You said Hakaroshi. H A K A B O C H I. But they they go by their individual names on Twitter. But they are creating breathtaking work it's it's just beautiful and joyful and they are the kind they are the kindest people the most wonderful individuals to interact with and it, it comes through in their work it's really beautiful work i'd say that if i was thinking about who has taken my breath away it would be definitely keiko and haru fantastic we will link those up in the show notes well done. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was a, a pleasure and honor to chat with you. Love everything that you create. And I am excited to get this secret Discord link <laughs> that I can't find. <laughs> I, will, I will send it to you. Thank, thank you so much. And I, I, hope that, I hope that I've made some sense no, with, my, with my strange works. <laughs> no, it's, it's beautiful stuff. And I'll be waiting for a hedge, the hedgehog to make an appearance as oh. well. I'll have to ask my partner about that one. That's his special friend. <laughs> yeah, maybe he can get some royalties there or something. There'd be some kind of collaboration you could do together. 